Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today I'm joined by Ellie Bosco, who is pretty cool from what I can gather. I say that from what I gather, because I've actually been following for some time. She's actually amazingly cool, and her mindset <laughs> work is actually kind of brilliant um, in everything that you see, especially if you follow her online, like I do. Uh, Ellie, I think we, did we meet through Carissa or Joss? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Could have been both. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because Carissa is <laughs> one of my clients and Joss is one of my best friends, so it's kind of like uh, a win-win okay, cool. for me. But yeah, yeah. Uh, both friends of the show, which is awesome. But yeah, guys, like I told you, I'm going to bring you as many cool people as I can uh, as we round off the year as well. So Ellie, you are currently in Portugal. Yeah, what's that, yeah. What's that like for you like from being in Australia now in Portugal? Amazing. I've actually been here seven times. Wow. Um and uh, I first time I came, I was three years old. I was living, I was born in England, and uh, we were going to move to Australia when I was four. And my parents wanted us to do a little, a little trip before we did a big trip. So, but then all the other times have been since I've been an adult. And my my ex is actually Portuguese, so my children are half Portuguese. And um, yeah, this time around though, we're separated now and I've been exploring by myself and learning the language a lot more and been here about two and a half months now and we'll be here for the foreseeable future and I'm just I'm loving I just came back from a big walk along the cliffs and it was just beautiful yeah that's pretty, that's pretty cool see what I love is I'm actually currently learning Portuguese myself because I I, oh, cool. I want to fly out to Brazil so mm. um yeah Especially because the sport I do is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm like, if I'm out there, I don't want to speak English because I'll just get gringoed <laughs> like crazy. I'm like, let's not do that. But real, yeah. quick, but real quick shout out to our sponsors before we get started with the show. Um, guys, we, this episode is sponsored by elliebasco.co.com.au. Yeah, elliebasco.com.au. You guys have like that .au. It always like messes with me. <laughs> I'm trying to say it out loud, but links will be in the description as always. We're also sponsored by StorySellingEmails.com, where I'll be showing you how to write better emails for your sequences. Because you know, I kind of know a thing or two about that, considering my track record. Yay, fun times! So, Ellie, how did you get into like mindset work? Because every, everyone kind of gets into it differently. I want, I'm curious what your story is. Yeah, so I actually started out in business seven and a half years ago, and I was a personal trainer, and I had lost 29, uh, 29 kilos in seven months. I uh, don't know what that is in pounds. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. People in kilos, yeah. just two, yeah. times it by 2.5. <laughs> and uh, I, I saw a lot of mums struggling to lose weight after having their babies and never putting themselves first, never having time out for themselves. And all of the boot camps that were around at the time where I was living, um, you had to take your baby in a pram and push them in the pram. So you weren't getting time out for yourself. So I saw from my own journey and a gap in the market, I saw potential there. So I started mum's boot camps with babysitting included in the park. So I was the first one to do that in Brisbane, Australia. And I grew an amazing, amazing community and helped mums not only lose their baby weight but work on their mindset around their finding their identity loving themselves just as they are self-worth overcoming emotional eating and binge eating and 
as I grew the business, I kind of saw a lot of other personal trainers and coaches struggling. Like I wasn't working the crazy hours that they were um, in the business. I was working on the business a lot, but I wasn't waking up at, you know, 4 or 5 a.m. doing sessions and staying out late at night. I'd really created an amazing business and community, and I'd grown that to multi-six figures within a year and a half. So I grow very fast, and although I love my clients, I love what I was doing, I kind of outgrown it. So I started, I, I sold that business, and I started helping other people in mainly in the health and fitness industry, but then expanded to other industries as well to be able to grow their business. So I worked on the strategy, marketing, sales, goals, all of that kind of stuff, um, but then really went deep with the personal development mindset side of things. And that really came about from the work that I'd done on myself. I've worked with mentors right from the beginning of my journey. Even before that, when I was a teenager, probably since I was about 10, I kept a journal. And in my teens, my mum used to take me to yoga and meditation. She used to buy personal development, self-help books for me. Um, and like positive affirmation cards and journals and things like that. So I've grown up around it. And when I stepped into the business coaching, I realized that you can have all the strategy in the world, but if someone's head's not in the right place, if they don't believe they can do it, if they don't have confidence, if they're holding on to limiting beliefs and stories from their past or about themselves or fear of the future, then they're not going to do the work. So I went really deep with that side of things so that they could just effortlessly kind of take fast action and not even have to worry about the technical things. See, I love that, but I will have to play a little bit of a devil's advocate on this. And it's not to, it's going to seem opposing initially, but wait for it. So I used to believe that as well. The whole thing, like if your mindset isn't right, then there's no way you can become wealthy. And that was a mistake on my part because you can be wealthy and have a terrible mindset. I mean, for the love of goodness, look at John Paul Getty, one of the richest men in all of history. Terrible human being. Mm. Right, for what he did. Well, especially this kidnapped kid. I don't know if you've seen The Richest Man in the World, um, but that's an accurate depiction of exactly what went on with his grandson being kidnapped and him not, him not paying a penny okay. uh, until the very, very end. Um, mm. So having a broken mindset... Yeah, you can make a lot of money. There are people that are insecure that make a ton of money. There's people that are less confident that make a ton of money. It's all that. What it is, and what that I, t- uh, what I think you um, you might be saying as well as I would, is this idea of um, wealth, which is you can't. maybe you won't do the work, or maybe you will do the work, but you won't get as far as you want, so you won't unlock the full potential of what you're doing. But more importantly, mm. you won't actually enjoy it when you get there, because let's be honest, if you've got a broken mindset and you're coming from a place of, I need validation from this achievement, you're going to get the achievement, now you're going to want another achievement, rather than being, I'm sure. happy with where I'm at, and I feel fulfilled. Despite sure. this, this is an ad bonus. So that's that's yeah, the only so, devil's advocate I'll pay. Totally, totally. Like, you can, you can make a heap of money, but is it going to be in line with your morals and values? Yeah. Is it going to be from a place of ego or lack or wounds? Or is it going to actually fulfill you? And I find if you don't have a strong mindset and work on this kind of stuff, then you're coming usually from a place of lack or a wound 
from your past, like I'm not good enough or abandonment or whatever it is. So you get your feeling of success or happiness from the money or the material possessions. And that's not really holistic. And that's not where me or my clients want to be. Um, and coming back to the morals and values, look at, you know, someone like Jordan Belfort. Um, it's like, but he still probably had a good mindset and was amazing at sales, you know, but he just kind of went down the wrong path with it. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. And But I really want to come from a place of a holistic view and yeah. actually uh, abundance and filling myself up rather than like my business completes me because yeah. I am not my business. Yeah, I mean, that's something that's quite an important distinction to make. And the reason I actually brought that up, besides just playing devil's advocate, is because I went through that period quite recently myself where I went from the belief of, if my mindset is right, then my money's going to be right. And I was like, wait, why the fuck is this not working? And yeah. then it just realized what it was. It was mechanically, I was not doing something correctly, and that was shifting around as well as this. Mm. Um, and something that you and I actually had a conversation about, if it's okay to move on to this, is we both had a conversation quite recently um, well, by the time this, sh this comes out, it will be all taken care of. But when we were speaking, when we were recording this, it's this idea that um, it's finding who you are and what you want to do. Like finding what it is that you love makes your heart sing and get out of bed and have all that screaming fun passion. Mm. And that can change over time, of course, it, it has for me. My question for you is you said that you've helped so many people do this. What is the first thing that you actually look at that actually identifies this person as uh, dissatisfied with what they're doing? Mm. Yeah, good question. Even, even if they're good at it. That's the other thing as well, if they're really good at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, a couple of things on that. So the there's a book called The Big Leap, which a lot of people would have heard of um, by Gay Hendricks. And when you talk about, you know, doing something that you're good at, but it's not really what you love, um, people can stay stuck in that. You know, I'm really, really good at coaching. So I could fill up all my days of coaching, but then I wouldn't have any time uh, space to be creative and to be thinking about bigger picture things like speaking, media, retreats, um, creating new courses and things like that. Uh, so you can easily get stuck in things that you're good at. But as he says in The Big Leap, it's like your zone of genius versus your zone of excellence and stepping into not just what you're really good at, but what you would really, really love to do that might be a little bit scary and a bit outside your comfort zone. And the... Might be terrible at as well, <laughs> initially. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah, exactly. You've got to get the hours in to, to practice. You're not going to be excellent at something straight away usually. Yeah, and um, I guess the other thing with that as well is if you are coming from a place of lack or a wound like we were talking about before, then you know that it might be off track. For example, I have a pattern throughout my life where I have uh, – I, I'm an extrovert. I love connection. And I, at times in my life, I've tried to get that connection in unhealthy ways. So when I was younger, it was partying and drugs and alcohol and sex. Um, as I got a little bit older, it came to business, hustling in business. Then I competed in powerlifting. And That's would, amazing. Uh, yeah, I competed at a national level in Australia and I was doing 15 hours a week in the gym and just wanted to be stronger, stronger, stronger. And then I threw my whole self into relationships. And 
none of this is healthy when you're throwing your whole self or identity or all of your time into one area of your life or one person. So what I've realized from this is the wound was I want connection because without that connection, I don't feel, I feel abandoned, unwanted or whatever it may be. And I know where that comes from, from my childhood, um, a lack, wanting attention from my dad more than what I got or in a different way to what it looked like. Yeah. And so since I've worked on that pattern, I, first thing's bringing it to your awareness, what it is and where it comes from, then looking at how it shows up in your life and then going, okay, well, do I want to change this? And doing the work to be able to let go and instead of going to the unhealthy things, going, okay, well, how can I have connection within myself? And because of that, I've been able to work on that pattern and then go, well, I don't need these addictions and escapes to feel fulfilled within myself. And I can have all these different areas of my life that um, kind of complete the whole picture without needing anything from the external to feel fulfilled within myself. That's awesome. I love it when that happens, especially you're so right when we actually try and look from the outside to other things. I'm very similar to you. I always throw myself into things almost entirely. It's, um, it's kind of one of the reasons why I am... It's one of the reasons why I became excellent at everything I put my mind to. It's because mm. the moment I put my mind into it, all of me goes into it. Like, when I started doing jiu-jitsu, um, I'm not saying I'm excellent at that. I'm still learning. I'm always going to be learning that sport. That, that, that's more of, that is one of the things in my life that I will actually say that you have to put immense hours of work into just simply because feeling the shift of another human's weight on you by, like, a, a millimeter of weight. Oh, their leg's going? Great, I know to move. That mm. takes time and practice. But mm. even then, it's like I will absorb data better than if I was doing something I wasn't interested in. Mm. So it's really interesting to see that there is an actual way out of that in the sense that you can actually normalize. You can equal out, meaning that you put just a bit of you in each section of the part, uh, on different parts in order to feel mm. fulfillment. Yeah. Now, curiously asking about this, um, especially when it comes to the business side of strategy, um, what was it that really kind of impacted you that got you into your first business? Like, what was it that went from, I'm assuming person, being a personal trainer and doing boot camps was your first business? Yes. Um, what went from, I'm doing whatever you're doing before to, I'm going to be a personal trainer, I'm going to go do this, or go from, I'm going to be a personal trainer to, I'm going to turn this into a business? Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, it's funny when you say like your first business because <laughs> I actually started working from when I was 12 years old. I used to babysit people's kids and I actually started a little a little business um, when I was a teenager in doing kids' parties. So like my school teachers and things like that, I would do parties for their children and their grandchildren and had business cards and flyers and everything done up from a really young age. So I've always been entrepreneurial. Um, but when I started the personal training business, it was because I'd been living in England for a year. I met my, my ex now, <laughs> but I met him over there in London and I got pregnant and I'd only known him three months. Wow. And we were hitchhiking through Portugal and Spain when I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was only 22 and he was uh, he was 30. And uh, I freaked out that he looked after me. Uh, we moved back to Australia. And um, I we were living off 
welfare, basically. And we had nothing. We had no support, just each other. He wasn't allowed to work. He's Portuguese and he was on a tourist visa. And I had just had our daughter. And so I remember one day uh, we got a letter in the mail saying that his visa had been denied. And I remember sitting on the living room floor, curled up in a ball, thinking, why does all this bad stuff keep happening to me? And I decided in that moment that I could cry and think that all these things were happening to me or I could take control of my life instead of being a victim. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I decided to start my first business. That's when I got into personal training. When my daughter was only three months old, I would express breast milk for her. I couldn't afford a car, so I would cycle my bike to my, to my um, course and I studied to be a personal trainer a couple of nights a week. And that my daughter really changed my life. And she was my driver to stop partying, stop all those unhealthy habits I was doing before, and to start my first business. And I, I did have a hustle mentality back then. I was working very hard because I hadn't done enough personal development yet to know that I was doing that or where that was coming from. But on the other hand, I did. I had this massive drive and reason why to create a better life for myself and my family. So that's so yeah, it all became down to the why. Now, something you've actually just said upon, and you've touched upon it a couple of times, and something that I, I'm kind of making more of my life, particularly since like the early part of 2018, um, was really understanding the self love aspect of things because I mm. actually hadn't realized how far like my own personal stories. I didn't realize how far I loathed myself until it was mm. like shown to me, mm. and I jokingly said this to um. Some of my closest friends, I was like, guys, you know me really well. Scale of 1 to 10, where do you think my self-love was? They're mm. like, oh, every, nearly everyone hit above. Some people were like 6, some people were 7, some people were like, if you're not in a great mood, it's like a 3, including like <laughs> one of my exes that actually lived with me, so she saw like the, the worst of me. Um, and she was like, no, I think it's a 3. It was a 0. 0.5 out of 10. I actually completely self-loathed with this masquerade that I loved. Um, mm. just simply because again, like you seeking, uh, like many people seeking a connection, trying to see what's going on there outside and so on and so forth. Mm. The reason I bring it back to this is because you've spoken about self-love and self-worth in such a way because your self-worth does actually determine your net worth. Like mm. the people that have low self-esteem, fair enough, they might be low self-esteem, they may hate themselves, they may be the most broken-minded people ever, but they do mm. have a level of self-value where they can ask for the money they ask for. Mm. Because otherwise they wouldn't be able to, and it's a mindset mm. thing. So yeah. my curiosity to this is how do you actually help people increase their, well, show them that they can, first of all, have the permission to have self-love and create self-validation, um, self, and increase the value in who they are, and also what methodologies do you put in, put in place for them to actually start growing into that? Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So first of all, my definition, my own personal definition of self-worth is loving yourself as a whole unconditionally. So what I mean by that is you don't just love parts of yourself or think these are my strengths, but these are my weaknesses, my flaws, the bad parts about myself. You love all parts of yourself as a whole because you're not parts, you're not broken, and you don't need fixing. So 
I actually asked my boyfriend a couple of months ago what he loved about me. And he's like said all these things that would be perceived as positives. And then some things that might sometimes people might perceive as negatives. Like he's like, I love how emotional and crazy you are and up and down and, you know, all this stuff. And he's like, because I love all parts of you unconditionally. And he was only able to say that to me and really mean it because he loves himself unconditionally and has self-worth as well. You can't fully love someone else if you're not fully loving yourself because you're putting up a wall, you're trying to protect yourself, you, you, there's this blockage and you're not able to fully receive. And what I realized about myself since meeting my boyfriend over the last six, seven months is that I thought I loved myself on a really deep level. I'd done a lot of work on this. But when this man showed up in my life that gave me so much love and um, physical touch and words and all these things that I hadn't received at this level before, I had to go deeper with my deservedness and receiving this much love or in this way that I'd always wanted. So there's always deeper that we can go. And when we say, oh, but I've done all this work, that's just a cop out for going deeper and learning more about yourself. And then my definition of self-care is to listen to your mind and body and give it what it needs in any given moment. Doesn't mean that you've got to go and take yourself off for a massage or to the movies or anything like that. It's listening to what you need in that moment. And in that moment, it might be a massage or it might be a nap. Whatever it is, it's giving your mind and body what it needs. So I work on those two areas for people um, based on those definitions. But it's also looking at, you know, loving loving yourself as a whole and looking at the areas where you don't feel whole or and that usually comes from when you're younger so with NLP which is one of the techniques I use uh, we have a lot of beliefs that are formed from zero to seven years old which is the imprinting phase and we form these beliefs about ourselves and about the world because of mostly because of our parents at that age now our parents could have been perfect model parents but it's the way we perceive what happened and it's based on a memory it's not even reality so I had a client once where she her sister was given the good chocolate biscuits and she was given the boring ones so she formed a belief when she was about five because of the situation that she wasn't good enough because she didn't get the good chocolate biscuits now that sounds silly as an adult. Logically, it's like, well, that's stupid. I, I just, I can let go of that. But it's sitting there at an unconscious level. And then that is playing out in our life now when you're trying to get on sales calls, put your prices up or whatever you're trying to do in your business or your life. So what I help people do is go back to that event, change the perspective, release the emotion, release the belief so that they can let go of it. And then they change their presence. And then they take action from a different place. Um, that's the main thing I do. There's so like I could talk on that for days, <laughs> but there's there's so many things. That I guess one more thing on that is then putting yourself in situations where, say, your wound is feeling rejected because your dad left you when you were seven. Put yourself in situations where you're going to be rejected. Go out to a club or a bar or a meetup or whatever if you're single and go and like have people say no to you pick up sales calls and get them to say no 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 you know like put yourself in positions where you are going to be rejected to learn to be cool with it 
you're not going to get cool with your limiting beliefs if you don't step out of your comfort zone and you're just sitting behind your laptop every day, you know? Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. That's uh, especially the whole dating thing as well. That's actually how I got over my fear of rejection mm. was just walking up to women. I, the weirdest thing is you just triggered the memory in me right now. 14 years old, uh, and it wasn't even for me. It was for my best friend who weirdly was shot. He was clearly the better looking one out of the two of us. <laughs> But I'd go ask, like, it was really weird. I, like, no fear about it. I was like, hey, my friend wants your phone number. Is that okay? I would be shy, but I'd do it anyway. Yeah. Kind of really makes sense to how my life is right now. Because, again, if I'm out on a night out or if I'm walking around the streets, I'm not exactly shy about starting conversations with strangers and be like, oh, hi, how do I get to so-and-so? Like, oh, Mm. cool, what's going on? Are you having a good day? No, I'm just completely Mm. bored. Let's hang out for five minutes. (laughs) so yeah. much more fun but yeah I mean I, I find that life does start just on the outside of your comfort zone um, yeah. and I think again personally speaking because that's the only way I can speak on this stuff is um, whenever I go through situations where like you could be so used to being outside your quote unquote comfort zone that your new comfort zone just seems like it's an achievement instead of mm. continually pushing yourself forward because yeah. I know for a fact, again, where I'm at, where it's like trying to figure out what I want, there's a comfortability as in like, I, I'm really good at this thing and it makes, it, I'm excellent at this thing. It makes me money. Why do I want to leave this? But I'm like, dude, yeah. when you step out of your comfort zone, it's like a whole new expansive universe. Yeah. You're taking yeah. one step further into a bigger playing field. Yeah. And that's what you want. And what I found with that as well is we can do all this work on ourselves and we can also take action. So it is, like you said, kind of hinted on before, it's a mixture of the mindset and the strategy and the action together. And when we do that, we reach another level of where we feel comfortable. And then when you dare to step out of that comfort zone again, so say you're comfortable making 10 grand a month and you want to get up to 20 grand a month. And to do that, you need to put out Hmm, hold on a second. Yep. I guys had a bit of a network connection. Not sure what's going on right now, but we're back. So yeah, you were saying so 10 grand a month at that point. Yes. So say you want to get to 20 grand a month and what's required to get there is to double your prices or to do a webinar and you've never done that before or speak in front of thousands of people or, you know, whatever it's required, then you're stepping out of that comfort zone. And when you're doing something new, then all those old kind of limiting beliefs and fears and emotions going to come up again. It's not like, oh, I'll deal with this once and then it's gone. You've got, it's going to come up again every time that you level up, you're peeling another layer of the onion off. So it's constantly, like that's the journey. You're you're constantly evolving and growing and going deeper. Yeah, this makes more sense to why sometimes I want to cry every time I do this situation and go through it because it is like (laughs) an onion and Lord knows how much I hate onions. Which is brilliant, by the way. You are, like, invited all the time to all the food places. And they're like, hey, is Adol coming? Crap, he doesn't like onions. Because, <laughs> like, onions are nearly in everything you eat now. It's like, just, I'm convinced that onions have, like, this conspiracy to get people to think they're delicious. I'm like, you're not delicious. You taste like sulfur. Go away. So I can resist that. But what I was going to get at was, um, so as far as it goes with like people and entrepreneurship and stuff, that's all fun and well. But like, let's let's really take it back a step, uh, a step, 
what is it that you personally do as a way to actually relax when you're not working? I know you've got your kids and you found them saying away from that, like when it's just mm. Ellie time, what does Ellie's time looks like, look like? And please keep it. Actually, I don't even care. You can say whatever <laughs> you want. This is this show. No one cares. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, my boyfriend's in Australia right now and I'm in Portugal. So, um, uh-huh. so you but... guys can draw your own conclusions from that. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I actually, what we were talking about before about, you know, kind of becoming consumed when you're, you know, working in business and things like that. I have worked on lately, especially this year, going from the all or nothing mentality to all in, all out. And what the difference is, is all or nothing is just like all in on, like going all in on business, but then not having boundaries, not switching off and neglecting other parts of your life and burning yourself out. And when you are switched off, you're still not fully switched off. You're not being present or mindful. You might be watching Netflix, but you're also checking your phone. You're still, you know, doing a bit of work. You're never really actually fully switched off. So all in, all out is like, okay, I'm working for this amount of hours. I'm going all in on this. I'm super present on this. And then when I'm all out, I'm all out and I'm super present with that. So that's where I've tried to get to. And it's setting boundaries and having times where I do switch off. So when I switch off, when I'm not with my friends or kids or anything like that, um, I do like to watch, you know, YouTube or Netflix or whatever, but that's not fully switching off, I find. Um I love going for walks and doing weights and having experiences like um, traveling and doing different adventures and things like that. And I also love like journaling and meditating and doing personal development and um, kind of tapping into the spiritual side of things. Um, I've been on a massive personal development journey this year in letting go of a lot of things, my nine-year relationship, being with my kids, not being with my kids every day, letting go of my house, most of my possessions, my cat, my country, my car. Oh, the cat. <laughs> yeah, I was sad about that. I did a little photo shoot with him before he left. You, you know what? After the call, I have something for you. So after the call, you enjoy this. Okay. And then I also let go of a lot of belief systems and how I saw different things. I let go of programs I was offering, clients, like so many things. What and then after programs? Uh, I had a low-end uh, group mastermind that I've been running for five years and it just wasn't in line with the kind of person I wanted to be working with anymore. Um, I kind of let it fizzle down a lot and I really just wanted to be working with high-end people. Yeah. Um so I got rid of that one and just made it into a digital course. And now I have my boyfriend and one of my team members doing coaching for me at a lower level. Um, so then I just work with the high-end people. Um, and I, I literally have two things I'm doing right now, which is um, emotional clearing one-on-one work with me and my VIP mastermind, which also includes retreats. And so I get to do kind of everything I want in the VIP mastermind anyway. But cool. yeah. So and so that- Yep. When I got to the point of letting go of all of that, then I was able to come to the point of, okay, what's the next stages for me? And it's funny we're talking about this now because I've been looking at different personal development events. I'm going to one in London next week. I signed up. uh, It's called, I think, Super Genius You, something like that. Ryan Pinnock? Yeah, I think so. You and I are going to have a call afterwards on this. (laughs) Because I actually went quite far with that. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, one of my friends, Katya, told me about it. Um, and I'm going with her and one of her friends. So Cool. You might yeah. actually see me there because I might actually be helping her as well. Oh, awesome. times. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then um, I just signed up today to do the the Camino um, de Santiago um, in Spain, so like a seven-day walk. Um, so just really looking at where I can expand myself as a person, connect within myself more, and then that connects in with everything else in my life as well. That's pretty awesome. I yeah. love that. I love it when people go through like their own journeys and such. It's mm. really powerful. So, okay, so one thing I'm really, really curious about, particularly when it comes down to you and how you think, what is your perspective on business books right now? Because like the way I've actually seen it over the last, I don't know, 18 years or so, you get a couple of good business books, but the majority of them seems to lack substance. It's more like, here's what's going on. I'm now an author. Yay. Rather than, hey guys, yeah. I wrote a book that actually makes sense for you to use. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take on stuff like that now? Is it is is it because it's a trend or do you reckon it's finally going to take it back to the way where people are providing real value in books? I love business books that have been written by people who are more so influencers, I guess, on social media or they've been bloggers and things like that. They write in a different way. They write – I know a few people that have literally kind of taken a few of their blogs or more than a few of their blogs or the way that they write online and they made it into a book. Tim so Ferris. it's just – it's like, yeah, and um, a, a guy that I've done a few of his courses, Dane Thomas um, and also Kat Laterzo, they, they write really well in that way. And it just – it's straight to the point. There's no like – oh, we're going to talk for a few chapters about what this book is going to be about. It's like, I don't care. Just get to it. You know, so I, I like books that are like that. I like books that ask questions that you can journal on where you're actually going through it and you're thinking and you're learning and growing with the book. Um, I don't like something that's like hundreds of pages long just to kind of fluff something out. Yeah, I mean, you have it the opposite way as well, is what I mean. Like, there are a couple of influences I've read their books, and honestly, it's not to say it's trash, but it's trash. It's like I've read it, and I'm like, the fuck were you thinking? There's yeah. like, there's all, all of this in his glorifying you, and there's very little method. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. This is a book where, you know, you have your origins and so on and so forth, but you position this as a business book to help someone get started, not to be like a yeah. autobiographical thing. Um, and I'm very much like you in the sense of I don't like books that are like hundreds of pages long that literally have, you can summate most of their points down into a page each. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. they're waffling. I don't like that. It's um, So as an idea, like to give me an idea, one of my favorite books to read is Blue Fishing by Steve Sims. Mm, I've heard Great of that. Book. It's a really good book. It's both practical, entertaining, and informative to who Steve is. So you're like, oh, Steve, and so Steve is so-so. And you're like, oh, yeah, that actually completely works out and checks out. And you're like... I like his methodology. I like the way he thinks. And then you move slowly towards his ideas and ways of thinking. So that's mm. like a good book, but mm. there are others. Again, that's why I just wanted to get, make sure that we had that distinction. It's essentially people yeah. can get to the damn point. And, and actually... I, think if, I think if someone's writing a book as well, it's got to come from the right place of yeah. I need to, and whether it's a book, whether it's a video, a post on Facebook, don't just write or speak something for the sake of like, oh, i got to get some content out today. Come from the place of like, what is my message? What is something that I have learned that I've grown from or a client's grown from that really people need to hear? 
Come from that place. And if you're not coming from that place, just don't write anything, you know? Like, wait until you do have something valuable to share. Oh, entirely. I, I'm one of those people that's that I've got about five or six books planned mentally that I've already got the mind maps to. It's just finding time to sit down and write them, which I yep. gotta tell you, hell of a fun job if you're a dyslexic, by the way. <laughs> just like writing. <laughs> what do you do for a living? I write ad copy and you're dyslexic. Yes. Yeah. Well, look at Richard Branson. He's got plenty of books. Yeah, not much. <laughs> but the, the methodology I use is I use audios and then um, transcribe cool. the audio over because then it's just more in my speech. But speaking yeah, cool. of which, are you actually going to be writing a book anytime soon? Um, I've written a couple of e-books and I'm, I've got another e-book idea that I want to write over the next couple of weeks as well, which is on like journaling questions on different areas of your life, looking at your health, your wealth, your personal development, business, um, relationships and having kind of information that I've learned on those different areas and then journaling questions so people can go deep on their own development in those areas. Um, but a full book it's something I would like to do, um, but it's not a priority for me right now. I was thinking, like, maybe I'll just, like, rent somewhere, a cabin in the woods in Romania for a month or something and just write a book. But right now it's not my highest priority. Yeah, I get you on that one. Now, something I did want to ask very quickly because the question was just sparked into my brain. I was like, ooh, I should really ask this. So more of a business question than anything else. And that is if someone wants to get started as a way to actually – generate traffic to their business, generate eyeballs, what's the strategy that you would give them to use? Mm. Because so, like, everything's evolving. So Yeah, I've mainly done organic strategy um, and still do that. So I think someone just starting out, they need to get really, really clear on who their target market is, um, what their message is, so how they, like, where their, their ideal client is currently at, what are their pain points and where do they want to be. What's the outcomes or goals that you can help them achieve? And then what's your message based on that? What's your message and mission and vision? And then looking at what is your offering? So target market message and offering. Once you're clear on those three things, then you can start showing up and you can start talking from that place of, hey, I know you, you're here, you're struggling with this and you want to be here, you know? Um, and then just showing up and, and putting content, valuable content out there um, and connecting with people on a daily basis. You know, when I first started out, I would, I'm not just going to sit in front of my laptop every day. I was getting on phone calls. I come from a sales background. I've been in sales since I was 19 and I just turned 32 last week. And <laughs> Thanks. And uh, I worked in call centers for five years and I was literally headset in, call after call after call, but I got really good at it. And most people are too scared to do that. They'll hide behind their laptop, they just write a bit of content or they stuff around basically and it's like, no, you've actually got to do the things that scare you and the things that are going to get you leads and sales. So whilst content is good, connecting in groups, connecting with people is great, you've got to then get them to the point where you're getting their phone number, you're getting on the phone with them and having a conversation. Yeah, I agree with you entirely there. So, okay, now my question really, we're coming down to like one of my favorite questions on the show, and that is, if you had to pick three books that were the most influential to you in your life, and mm. there is a caveat, so there are parameters, two of them have to be non-fiction, but one of them has to be either a fictional book or a movie that massively impacted your life. What would that be and why? 
Oh my god. <laughs> Ask questions, Hits. What do I do? I have no idea. Um, well, I'm just going to say whatever comes off the top of my head. Um, the Big Leap by Gay Hendrix was one that always sticks out. Like that, that just tied into everything for me. Um, I, my mum got me the book in uh, when I was a teenager, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was an amazing book for me. Um, and I guess when I was also a teenager, there were these books by a person called Sark, S-A-R-K. And anyone who has, I guess, younger children or teenage children, her journals and her books and positive affirmation cards are amazing. And she got me through some really tough times when I was a teenager. And um, that's really where my personal development journey started. But I mainly read personal development and business books. I, I don't really read a lot of stories anymore. Uh, but when I did, I would just read a lot of kind of autobiographies and uh, stories of people's lives and things like that. That's incredible. See, I love that. You have such a different t- answer to like, I, I love asking this question because you never get the same answer. You always get like different answers from different people. Yeah. And it's amazing because um, I've never even heard of Sark's books. And now that's kind of like something mm. I'm going to research and look into. So... Mm. My next question is like when you were go obviously when you go through your journey as an entrepreneur, there are times where life will knock you on your ass and you've obviously gone through that yourself and I'm sure you've gone through that many a time in your life. Mm. But my question is, what was it that made you rise up from the worst depths where you're like, There's no way I can get out get up from this. I feel like I'm basically on the ten count, he's at the ref's at nine, I'm gonna be out of this, I'm done. But something inside you pulled you right back up at the last second. What mm. was it? So when I've had obstacles or issues or things come up for me and if I've been in a really dark place, if I felt quite depressed and I've never been clinically depressed, but you know, the feeling of feeling really down and sad and hurt and pain and all of that, I remind myself that it's not real. You know, those kind of, one of my clients calls it brain monkeys. <laughs> and it's like this chatter inside your head of like, I'm not good enough. This is too hard. I just, why do I try? I want to give up. It's, I just want to lie in bed crying or whatever it is. And it, I remind myself in those moments, this is not real. This is my emotion talking. And one of my uh, mindset coaches that I've had for years, he says, when we increase emotion, we decrease intelligence. So when we're in this high emotional state, we are not thinking clearly or logically. So I remind myself in that moment, this is not real. This isn't going to last. And especially if it's late at night, it's all going to be okay in the morning. You know, um, I then when I'm out of that place, it's like I don't want to stay in a place for too long where I am eating shit food, not moving my body, uh, not surrounded by positive people, not taking action. So I don't let myself stay there for very long. And the more personal development I've done, the quicker I'm able to bounce out of these situations when I do feel that way. And 
So I remind myself of what I do that makes me feel good. Well, I love drinking three to four liters of water a day. I drink ketones and I do intermittent fasting. I move my body every day. I have amazing deep conversations with other business owners, friends, my boyfriend, um, and my clients and things like that that just light me up and make my eyes go all sparkly. I do things that help others and tie into my purpose and my vision because I feel we feel good when we're of service and meditating journaling doing things for myself um, it's kind of snapping out of that environment changing your environment to be able to change your mindset and your circumstances oh I I entirely agree with you it's when you actually change what's around you um, it helps it's also the reason why one of my favorite scenes from the movie Limitless is the uh, scene where he first cleans up the room. Yeah. Which, arguably, again, to one of my favorite songs, uh, Walking, which is a great song by, I um, can't remember his name, I actually did it, but it's a great song. Um, but while he's cleaning up, that right there, I don't know if you've ever done this, where you're in a bit of a bind, and for people listening at home, this helps. Clean your place. Clean your home. Mm. It's, like, if you live in an apartment like I do, it takes you maybe an hour, two hours to get a deep clean done, and you're basically on the way and done. But I guarantee mm. you by the time you're done, you feel so goddamn good because your space feels clean, it feels mm. healthy and sparkly. Well, guess what? That's where you start from. That's what, how you let the good feelings come back in through, through you as mm. well that way. It's, it's a really interesting uh, concept. Now, what, my favorite question again to ask on this show um, and one of my favorites of all time has been, if you could, uh, if you could impart three pieces of advice to entre- uh, three pieces of advice to entrepreneurs that are going through different types of struggles, meaning the personal, the business, and the environmental, for whatever reason that we're going to use, what pieces of advice would you give them, either separately or as a unified piece of advice, for them to move forward? Mm, yeah, cool. Okay, so personal, I've been working a lot on personal stuff this year, particularly around relationships, emotions, my wounds and belief systems and things like that. So with that, um, there's a couple of different tests that you can do, um, and I can give you the links for these as well. They're all free tests. Um, One that most people would have heard of is the Myers-Briggs personality test. Uh, There's another one called How We Love, and there's the five love languages as well. Curiously, I'm going to ask before we continue, what is your Myers-Briggs? Um, oh, if I can remember, e- ENFPA, I think. Oh, nice, cool. Or ENFJ. ENFP over here. Complete psycho. ENFP, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, the, P, the difference between P and J is the P's are very much like last minute, get everything done. The yeah, J's are like, we're going to get things done three weeks in advance. Yeah, no, I'm ENFP. Yeah, yeah. Same here, up top. <laughs> And the other one is um, the five love languages. I saw this. By the way, I'm just going to show you this very quickly, and no one at home can see this, but this is kind of what I was going to show you. Oh, cute. <laughs> yeah, he sat right there, by the way. Oh, cute. <laughs> um, but the thing is, like, with five love languages, I found some... <laughs> this is my favorite way of someone describing the five love languages. It's words of affirmation. This is a good burrito. Uh, acts of service. I made you a burrito. Receiving gifts. Here's a burrito. Quality time. Let's go get some burritos together. And physical touch. Arms around a person wrapped in a warm hug. Like a burrito. <laughs> I'm like, so that, that makes the most sense. That's so good. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite ways. So perfect. Yeah. And then the other one is the How We Love quiz. And 
that one tells you what kind of, I guess, archetypal personality you are or how you behave in relationships, um, particularly in intimate relationships, but it can relate to, you know, team, clients, friends, family, whatever. And it tells you if you're a pleaser, a controller, um, an avoider, whatever it may be. And this is based on your childhood and what was lacking or the way you perceived your childhood. Um, so this one I've done recently and it just was like, oh, well, this is exactly, I can see my wounds. I can see the way I've been acting. I can see where I push people away. I can see the unhealthy patterns and I can see what I can do instead. Um, and the reason I mentioned these three tests, and there's so many more, there's the disc profile and there's all, all these different ones. But the reason I mentioned these three is that the more you understand about yourself, your personality, how you communicate with others, how you act and behave in relationships, in situations, in your business, in your personal life, the more you know about yourself, the more you can love and accept yourself, and the more you can work on the things that are maybe unhealthy patterns. And the, the better that you show up in the world. Um, so that would be personal, but it relates to all of them, really. The other one I want to mention is with business. If you are feeling like you're struggling in business or you have challenges that are coming up, usually it comes back to you've just got to get reconnected to your purpose. You've got to get clarity on what the bigger picture is, get in alignment with that, have a strong reason why, Look at the big picture. Think of things as the long game. It doesn't all have to happen this second. When you're patient and think about, well, I've got another 50, 60 years here or however old you are, and um, and really have patience and just do things that are based on that long-term vision and, and your purpose, then it doesn't matter if you have a little bump in the road or things don't go well one day or one week or one month because it's all going to work out in the end anyway. And if you're lacking clarity or feel like something's off it's because you're not connected into your purpose you're just going through the small steps the day-by-day -day motions you've got to be connected into that bigger picture agree with you entirely and something that i want to remind my listeners is go back to listen to the kurt malley show that i did a couple of weeks ago workouts and i actually discussed something along the lines like this where it's when you raise the when you raise the standard of what's around you as a person what you expect no matter how shitty life can be at times while you're freaking out that you can't really afford what you're doing or whatever it is, guess what? When the smoke clears and dust settles, you're going to be able to afford that life. It's it's a new breaking point. Like the story mm -hmm. I like to tell is like when I first moved to London. Um, when I moved to London from Plymouth, uh, I had to pay £10,000 for my mm. apartment mm. Uh, as an upfront and then I would be on a lower rate, which is fine. The day I moved to London, my bank reversed a transaction that was for £15,000 well, um, out of my account uh, because they thought they looked fishy, mm. but um, so much money had basically come into my account so quickly. So that mm. was a lot of fun. Uh, and then Q six months of struggling, wondering how I'm even going to survive in London with no money while trying to hunt down every possible client piece I can get done. Mm. Now it's almost heading into my fourth year living into this apartment. And I'm like, yeah, this is pretty simple. I mean, bar a couple of times this year where I've had a few setbacks. I'm like, mm. I've managed to pay for this place on my own for nearly four years. Yeah. So I'm pretty oh. good. It, it's scary yeah. like when your brain, like when you force it to evolve, it evolves in such a magical way. Um, yeah. But yeah, Ellie, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, guys, thank you. 
go check out everything Ellie's doing. Where they can find you on your website. So, um, yeah. ellieversco.com.au. Anywhere else they can find you, like yeah. and stuff. Feel free to connect with me on Facebook. If you send a friend request, just shoot a message through and say where you found me. Um, otherwise, I might not <laughs> accept you, especially if we've got no mutual friends. Um, but I also my Instagram, my Facebook is um, Ellie Bursco as well. And I also have my free group, which is Seven Figure Mindset for Entrepreneurs. So feel free to join me there. Awesome stuff there. Uh, Ellie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, I will see you on the next episode of Adam RC Unplugged. See you guys then. Bye.